2: I am back on the Bob France Authority. This is Khalid Namar. I love that song. Love that song. Thanks, Derek, my engineer. Playing all my favorites today. I'm sitting here for Bob France in the last hour. It goes so fast. When you're doing this, when you're listening, it doesn't seem to go as fast. But when you're sitting here, it goes pretty fast. Um, We got a pretty interesting hour coming up. I want to ask you all, what do you think about the death penalty? We have someone coming up. Um, who's going to talk about that. There's an organization, I met them once again uh, a few years ago at CPAC. They're called Conservatives Concerned About the Death Penalty. Concerned about the death penalty. So there is a reason to kind of maybe question it, of course. Uh But I have some thoughts and opinions on it, uh on the death penalty, and want to know what you think about it certainly after our guest Hannah Cox comes on and she'll be on at about the 10, 20 hour. So that'll be pretty interesting discussion coming from conservatives because everyone thinks conservatives just has this off with their heads mentality, but there is some diversity of thought on this issue. And, um, you know, so we'll talk about it. I certainly think it's not fair for someone who's, you know, shot 20 people or killed 20 people to keep their life, to sit in prison and play basketball and, and watch television and get fan mail for the next 40 years. I, I personally don't think that's right, but you know, we'll talk about that. So in the meantime, we got a little time to kill. If you want to get in, get it, get in at two one, six, nine Oh one zero nine, four, five or one triple eight two eight one eleven ten. 1110. And, I uh, want to know what you think, uh, about the death penalty, or you can wait till after the interview. Uh, but I'm going to talk to someone right now. And, uh, Interesting young man. His name is John. John has in a, a book that he has <laughs> written on the Trump collusion. era. John, are you there?
3: Hey, Khalid. Yeah, I'm here. Thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for encouraging me to call in.
2: that <laughs> you you're an you're an author. You write some very hard hitting investigative books, particularly on the. Uh, you written one on the Trump collusion case. Tell us about that.
3: Yeah, I have no qualifications for it, actually. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's it's on Amazon. It's called the the Case for Collusion, um, and it's actually written in the spirit. I, I got to give credit where credit's due. Uh, it's in the written in the in the tradition of of Michael Knowles' uh, Reasons to Vote for Democrats. Uh, which some of the listeners might recognize as being a pretty uh, prolific uh, blank book. Um, And so I I sort of took up the mantle there with uh, the case for collusion, the exhaustive evidence against Donald Trump uh, in this whole Russia conspiracy. Um, So the book is mostly blank. Each chapter kind of has some absurd or ridiculous quote uh, from either a party involved uh, like um, John Brennan, uh, where he sort of extols jihad um, or uh, it has, you know, some other sort of ridiculous quote from, from any other actor, but, but all from within the era. Um, so obviously it is blank. And, and the one thing that I want to say about that actually is I, I think these blank books resonate with the conservative audience uh, for the reason that um, some of the, the, the platform of the left and some of what they've been promoting has just gone so far off the rails that it, it doesn't even deserve a dignified response in some cases, right? So I think that's really the, the point that you're trying to make is is you're turning a blank stare, which is really what I would give most leftist shouting in my face. Um, you're just turning that into uh, book form.
2: <laughs> now, what I know about you, you spent some years in California. And I did. I'm sure that there's plenty of stories behind that so how did you sort of survive? Were you in the closet out there being a conservative?
3: <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. So I, I moved back to Cleveland because of my, uh, because my daughter just wanted her to be close to the family and, and not, uh, you know, grow up so much in the city, especially a city that's sort of collapsing under the weight of, of homelessness uh, and an administration that can't really do anything about it under, under Garcetti uh, or isn't doing anything about it. So that's why that's why we moved back. But yeah, as far as being as far as being in the closet, um, you no, know, there, you know, stuff stuff leaked out. Obviously, uh, especially towards the end, as I just cared less what what people thought about my conservative viewpoints. Um, but yeah, I mean, when we would go to preschool parties, for example, you know, you could tell who was conservative because pretty much everybody would be bashing Trump. Uh, and then there'd be a, a few of us sort of sitting around, just nodding our heads. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but yeah.
2: Wow. I, I tell you what, I could imagine just being out in California where it's, it's a one party state. There's not one Republican that holds a state office there. That's crazy. It's, it's like, I like, mean, yeah,
3: it's, but you, yeah, we we need to like keep an eye on what's going on in orange County. Um, and, and um the, Southern California between LA and San Diego because it, it's traditionally been read. Um, uh, but there's a lot of absentee, um, a lot of absentee ballot rule changes, uh, that are making fraud easier. I, I try not to fall on the conspiracy side of this issue saying that there's rampant voter fraud. Um, but there are definitely some, um, questionable, questionable results coming out of Orange County, uh, which is traditionally sort of, a, a conservative safe haven in Southern California. So definitely needs to need some attention.
2: Okay. That's are quick. We got about a minute left. Tell me about your next book that you are going to not write.
3: <laughs> yeah. If we, if we, if we only have a, if we only have a, uh, a minute left, let me just say thanks to, uh, to you colleague, because it was just sort of happenstance that we ran into each other I made sort of a, a, a offhanded comment uh, to someone in the office uh, here, and, and ended up uh, who knew your name, and ended up saying, "Hey, you know what? You got to run and say hi to Khalid." Uh, you know, we ran into each other, and, and so yeah, I appreciate the conversations that we've had along the way. Yeah. Um, my my next book uh, is is called the Leftist Bible: uh, The Complete Do It Yourself uh, Build a Bible, <laughs> uh, and so the back of it is going to have um, some random verses that okay. are that there's no reference to the book chapter or verse uh, because context doesn't okay. matter uh, for leftists right. and they can feel free to sort of cut and paste those anywhere that sort of support All right.
2: All right, John, uh, we, a we, number of their Dex, I got to run. I'm, I'm going I'm to definitely gonna have you back on. You had you to come back and tell us about when, you, when that book comes yeah. out. All right, John, thanks absolutely. for calling. You can check his book out. Yeah, on the, least, uh, thanks for having me on. Dog. Absolutely. Right. We'll be back in you know, outside with Hannah Cox, who is the Uh, director state director of Tennessee of the conservatives concerned about the death penalty we'll be back on the other side you listen to the Bob France Authority We're back on the Bob France Authority, Bob France Authority. I've heard Bob has done this, too, so I don't feel so bad. (laughs) We're back on the Bob France Authority with Khalid Namar. Wow, time is flying. Um, So how how do you feel about the death penalty? Because I certainly am just not a blanket, okay? Every single case needs death penalty. But I certainly am not against the death penalty. But uh, we have a young lady that's going to clarify a position of many conservatives around the country because most people don't think that there are conservatives who have reservations about the death penalty. So there's an organization called Conservatives Concerned About the Death Penalty. And right now we have on the line Hannah Cox, the national manager for Conservatives Concerned About the Death Penalty. Good morning, Hannah. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, thank you. I've, I've been wanting to talk to you all for a while um, since I met uh, you all at CPAC a couple of years ago because I think this is a topic that most people don't know about or uh, an organization that most people don't know about uh, that's led by conservatives. So I noticed in your title it's conservatives concerned about the death penalty, not against the death penalty. Is that intentional?
4: Yeah, I think that we keep it pretty broad because there's a lot of nuance in how people feel about this issue. And I think there's also people who maybe moved down a spectrum. I know when I first started... Looking into information around the death penalty, I was originally a huge supporter of it, and I didn't change my opinion about it overnight. I became concerned with some of the ways it was operating. and over the course of time, as I continued working around the criminal justice system and learning more, I did move down that path and eventually just become absolutely against it. But I think there's uh, room for a lot of different people in that in that group. Yeah.
2: so you so you're against the death penalty in all circumstances.
4: I am now and that's because I really have just become convinced that the government cannot carry it out in a way that is efficient or that is fair in a way that we know they're not killing innocent people. And so I think there's a lot of people also within our organization who maybe are still in theory in favor of the death penalty, but absolutely do not think it can be carried out right in practice and have become against it because of that reason. Mm -hmm.
2: So you're you're against it on practical terms and, and, and Mm -hmm. and moral terms or?
4: Yeah, I, my original issues that I developed around the death penalty stem from the innocence issues. I think initially I thought those were a bit of an anomaly, and I thought when they were discovered that it was proof the system was working, um, I found that I was really wrong about that. We've actually had one person exonerated for every 10 executions in this country so far, and that's not counting people who have been released over other potential innocence issues or had their cases thrown out or things of that nature. So that's a lot of innocent people caught up in the system. Uh, the second thing that really started to bother me, though, were the cost. And I think everybody knows the death penalty is expensive, but everybody thinks that's because it takes too long. Well, in reality, 70% of the death penalty's costs come from the trial level, meaning that even if the jury doesn't give you that sentence, we're still spending about a million dollars more for a death penalty case than we would for life in prison without parole. So not only is that wasteful, but that means that we're not spending that money on things that actually could deter crime, and we're not spending it to solve more cold cases. When you consider that you've got only a 51% clearance rate in this country for homicides, that's not tough on crime, and it's certainly not justice for all to spend that much money on a few death penalty cases while we don't get any justice for the majority of victims.
2: So how do you answer the challenge that people who are behind bars for life are still dangerous? I think there was a case in California, and I don't know the name, where this person put out a hit on someone on the outside, and, and that hit took the life of another innocent person. So the state swiftly just went ahead and executed the guy who had been on death row for over a decade anyway.
4: Mm -hmm. I'm not familiar with that case, but I will say there's definitely a stereotype that most people have in their head that people who are on death row are the worst of the worst. And mostly when people talk to me who are in support of the death penalty, they'll say I'm only for it and we're absolutely certain that it's the right person and for the worst of the worst. But That's really a very subjective classification, first and foremost. I think what I think is the worst of the worst might differ from what you think is the worst of the worst. And secondly, even if we could decide on that, you know, let's say people who kill children or something of that nature, if you look at who's getting the death penalty, it doesn't actually bear out that it is the worst of the worst getting it. It actually really comes down to the location where the crime is committed, because we see that the majority of cases come from only 2% of counties. And to date, all executions since reinstatement have come from only 16% of counties. So it's really very arbitrary just depends on where you're at. And so you'll see people on death row that committed a crime that, in many opinions, would be far less heinous than others who get life without parole. So I don't think there's really any um, factual data that, that holds up that people on death row are more dangerous than those serving life without parole. Um, but for someone who is, you know, committing ongoing violence when they're behind bars, I think there are still measures that we could take without having to have the expense of the death penalty that would ensure that person wasn't able to carry those things out. Mm-hmm.
2: So what states... Traditionally, and we know Texas has that moniker of being the state where they just fry people, but what states have been the most prolific in executing people?
4: We're really seeing a huge decline in that, actually. Last year was the fourth year in a row the country saw fewer than 30 executions. All of those came from only eight states, and over half of them were in Texas alone. Uh, The state right behind them was actually Tennessee, where I live, which had uh, three executions. And so usage is not only down, it's very, very highly concentrated, but the states that are still carrying it out are typically the usual suspects, Georgia, Florida, uh, Texas, your southern um, most states typically.
2: So what are some of the activities, uh, and Hannah Cox is our guest from Conservatives concerned about the death penalty. Uh, Is your organization actively trying to uh, lobby states to repeal the death penalty, or you're just a, a information and advocacy group?
4: Our first goal is definitely to be more of an educational and awareness-type organization. I always say that support for the death penalty runs a mile wide and an inch deep, because I think that it's an issue most people have a gut reaction to, and they make up their mind very early on whether they think it's right or wrong, and they don't really look much further into it from there. Uh, but the facts are, when people start looking at how it's actually operating in practice, there's a lot of reasons to be concerned, especially for people who are limited government advocates. And so we really try to get in front of conservatives and start talking to them about how these things are playing out and what we're not getting uh, for those costs and things that I think we should be spending our money on that would be more effective. So. We do get involved in state campaigns from time to time. We were really involved in New Hampshire this year where they overturned the death penalty. We also saw Wyoming have a really great campaign, um, really a huge amount of bipartisan support in the state. They fell only four votes shy of applying the death penalty there. So we will get involved in lobbying state legislatures from time to time, but focus mostly on educational aspects.
2: So correct me if I'm wrong, the latest state to – at least have a moratorium on the death penalty that was illinois was that was that a year ago from my mistake actually about
4: we saw three states this uh within the past year who have all taken action so washington state supreme court struck down their death penalty over socioeconomic and racial disparities and then california's governor issued a moratorium on executions um and then new hampshire's legislature passed the repeal the death penalty. so we've seen a couple different actions come down the pipeline
2: all right. So if you don't mind, we're going to hold you over to the other side. You got sure. another segment? Yeah. All absolutely. right. And if those of you want to challenge Hannah, Hannah Cox of Conservatives, concerned about the death penalty, you can give us a call at 216-901-0945 or one 888 281 I am Khalid Namar in Fabab France, and we'll be back on the other side. Back live on the Bob France Authority I'm Khalid Namara and for Bob France We are talking to Hannah Cox Who's the National Manager for Con- Conservatives concerned about the death penalty Thought you never hear that <laughs> Did you? Uh, <laughs> so Hannah thanks for joining us Do, do you give talks around the country uh, On this? Do you give forums On this issue?
4: I, I do I get to go all over which is really fun I love that part about my job And you get to work with people and various regions throughout the country and you know it's, it's so interesting i used to just work in tennessee and so now as the national manager getting to see all these other state legislatures up close and how their processes work it's, it's quite fascinating
2: i'm sure i'm sure so we have a challenge for you and someone wants to you know express their opinion about this we go to ron in brook park how are you ron
5: hello khalid how you doing
2: i'm great uh, you have a challenge for hannah
5: well yeah as a matter of fact i do okay i'm a conservative also all right But I can't understand for the life of me why she can't understand it. People like Bundy, Gacy, uh, Dahmer, these are people that beyond the shadow of a doubt, you know, and I'm not for the death penalty for everybody because if there's even one little minute possibility that they might be innocent, I wouldn't want to see an innocent man or woman put to death, okay? But there are cases out there that you know beyond the shadow of a doubt this person is guilty, when you're finding bodies and heads in a person's apartment, and you know I mean, is there any doubt he committed the crimes and then and it's not just the seventeen young men that dahmer I'm just using him for an example okay high high profile case all right mm-hmm. he He killed seventeen innocent people. Look at the families and the lives of those young men that he ruined for the rest of their lives over losing a loved one, and how she can think just keeping them in prison when it cost about $35,000 a year that's just rule of thumb to incarcerate somebody using Dahmer again he was in his early 30s when he was sentenced to prison all right and okay. i know wisconsin doesn't have a death penalty if he'd have gotten the death penalty and been put to death within a year or two like i said there's no argument he did the crime
6: okay. it wouldn't
5: have cost that much he could have easily lived 40 years in prison with just doing quick math, do you know how much at thirty five thousand dollars a year times forty years comes
2: okay. out to? So, so we got
4: quite a bit of money. We're going to let now, Hannah.
2: We're going to let Hannah respond. Thank you. So, Renee.
4: I think it's always really interesting that people bring up Jeffrey Dahmer because he didn't get the death penalty. Neither did BTK. Neither did one of the nine eleven terrorists. Um, so, I think again it goes back to my original point that it's really subjective who gets the death penalty, and often the people who are getting it are not the people that are even what we would mostly consider in the general public to be the, quote, quote, worst the worst. But secondly, even if that is the case, let's step back for a minute and go back to the other point he raises, which is the cost. It is still far cheaper to pay for someone to be in life and uh, life in prison without parole than it is to carry out the death penalty. So when you're talking about where you put your money. I want to see more murderers solved. I want to see more victims' families get justice and have some closure afforded to them as well. I don't think that it really makes sense to spend so much more money on the death penalty versus licensing them without parole and not address those things. Okay. So I think it's just a way of really reframing the issue and looking at it of what do you want? Do you want more public safety? Do you want more justice? Do you want to really be tough on crime? If so, the death penalty is not doing any of those things.
2: Okay. So we're going go to go to another call and we're going to go to Navy Man Norm.
6: Yes, I I believe the argument is very specious at best. We just had a recent incident where a gentleman has been charged with the rape and the murder of 93 women over a 10-year period in the United States. So let's look at those numbers. And by the way, Hannah, let's look at the cost in appeals. Appeal after appeal after appeal after appeal. Uh, By your own admission, you say about people being on death row for 10 years or longer. So let's add up the cost of keeping that person on death row for 10 years, as well as the cost to the taxpayers and the appeals. And this conservative, from my standpoint, feels that you're very preoccupied with the rights of these people on death row, but you say nothing about the rights of the newborn babies uh, whose Democrat state legislatures such as New York, Rhode Island, New Mexico okay. are celebrating and approving infanticide laws that would a- okay. enable them to take the lives okay. of a newborn child on their birthday. So,
2: so Norm, we, and, we, we, we uh, sorry to interrupt, but we just want to kind of keep the topic of the death penalty because okay. I don't want to conflate the two. So,
6: at I, I, the I, same time, I, at the same time, New York State uh, passed the law for infanticide. They repealed their death penalty law. That happened a month and a half ago. So on the one hand, the state of New York and the governor of New York says, we're not going to have any more death penalty in the state of New York unless you're a newborn. So, Anna, with all due respect, respect, let's talk about the death penalty for the unborn as much as you talk about the Terrible, terrible death penalty about somebody that has possibly been convicted.
2: Okay. So we'll give, we'll, we'll give her a chance to respond. Thank you.
4: So I think its facts are a little bit off, first and foremost. New York hasn't had the death penalty since the early 2000s. Um, but I think when you come to the pro-life argument, that's one of the things many of our supporters are very concerned about. And that's actually how we were originally founded, was by... Pro life supporters in Montana who felt very strongly that in order to truly be pro life, you needed to be consistent in that viewpoint across the board. Sure. The majority of people in our organization Ooh. are anti-abortion Ooh. and are also anti-death penalty.
2: Okay, very good. Um, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Hannah.
4: Oh, I just wanted to add. Secondly, cost. I feel like I'm not getting through here on the cost. Um, additionally, in in regard to that, the death penalty is far more expensive than life and prison without parole. From the trial on, so no matter what, you are spending a vast amount of money to even carry out a death penalty trial, which is more than you would spend to keep someone incarcerated. We saw in the cost studies have been done that the trial is actually four times more than the appellate process. So for people who consistently say, I don't want to spend money for people to be uh, in prison year after year, you're spending a lot more money to have the death penalty, period.
2: Yeah. So, so my issues are not even financial or, or, or moral. I just have a problem just personally seeing people who have, you know, mowed down 20 people getting fan mail and in, in getting married in prison, wherever they do, and writing books. Not books, but like Manson was doing, was painting, and, you know, he did get married, I think. I just think that they've stolen lives, and they get to kind of live theirs. Even though it's behind bars, they still get to keep theirs. That's just my own personal opinion. But we're going to go to Dan in Cleveland, who just has a question for you. Hello? Yes, Dan, you're on.
5: Yes, I am. Thank you very much. Hello, Kanna. Um, Hi. It won't take much time. Hello, I won't take much of your time, but you keep talking about these costs. Do you have a source for us where we can actually see the dollars in terms of, um, in other words, it's obviously more for somebody that's 20 years old versus 30 years old versus 60 years old, and at at maybe a life expectancy of 72, where it actually spells out what those costs are, and then something where it's figured out about what their health care costs might be. So as they get older, are we all are we all paying for them to have surgeries and they decide we want some transgender, then we have to pay for that surgery, okay. MRIs, all of those types of things. There are a source okay. we got it,
2: we got backing it
5: backing up what you say where we can see these numbers actually.
2: Thank you.
4: There is. There's actually a really great source. It's org, and that site has a listing of all of the different cost studies that have been performed in each of the states that have carried those out. So you do see some difference in different states because of, um, you know, for example, what their pay rates are for judges or law enforcement and all of these people who contribute to a criminal trial process. So you can see a really good breakdown there as well as the averages nationally um, and dig into that.
2: Okay. Thank you for that. And we're going to go to TJ in Cleveland. He's been on hold for a minute. TJ, how are you?
7: Uh, Pretty good. Uh, You know, I I do understand with DNA technology that there is a a lot of innocent people that are incarcerated and even on death row. I mean, I see that. I understand that argument. But when it comes to, like, a crime, a murder, I don't want to make the decision. Let the decision rest on the family and the loved ones of the victim. That's the ones who should make the decision on life or death. The rest of us are just on the outside looking in with this issue. But until you're a family of a victim, I think you should have the decision to make. And if they want to go mercy and life, fine. Death penalty, fine. And if they do do death penalty, let's not wait 20 years and stuff to do this. And if you're looking at it as a deterrent, the only way it would be a deterrent is if you went back to, like, the old public executions, uh... To deter people from committing these kind of heinous crimes so that's just my feeling on it
2: <laughs> all right thank you tj anna
4: yeah we actually work with a vast amount of murder victim family members who are very opposed to death penalty some who were always opposed to it from the onset and others who after having gone through the process really felt that they were deceived and that it did not really provide the closure that they needed and think that there are much better services we could offer victims with the money that we're currently wasting on the death penalty criminologists and police chiefs agree that it's not a deterrent not because of the appellate process which i want to remind everyone here is constitutionally guaranteed and under no circumstance sure. should be cut or sped up because that would certainly just lead to more innocent people being executed um but they find that it's not a deterrent more so because criminals do not think about the consequences when they're acting they either are acting under uh, a mental instability they are acting in a crime of passion or they're methodically planning out their crime and anticipate they won't be caught. And so the death penalty is no more of a deterrent than life in prison without parole for those factors.
2: Well, I'll I'll say this, Anna, and you know, obviously there are people who have disagreements about this. This has always been a very passionate issue. I have disagreements about it, but I will say this. uh, And this is what I say to anyone who has a position you are very well versed, obviously, in researched in your your position and experiencing the issue, and that's all I ask when anyone comes on our show or or any show. You have your positions thought out and be able to defend your positions, and I think you're doing a fantastic job of it. Uh, and someone who's spent you know years on this issue, uh, I, I'm impressed by that. And because uh, our callers are kind of hot about this issue, <laughs> we're gonna take we're gonna take another uh, call. Mary Grace in Cleveland, how are you?
8: I am blessed. Highly favored, deeply loved by God, <laughs> Thank and you. I know that every day, Khalid, you're speaking the truth, and that's all you need to do. Thank you. The point is, Stokes would be turning over in his grave if he knew that the statue on top of the courthouse is—it's oh, a woman that shows that women are. Deaf, dumb, blind, and mm. in Oh God, help okay, us! Do
2: you, do you have a question? Do you understand? For, do that? have a question a for Hannah?
8: It's yes, one point nine million to incarcerate for the twenty-six years, and I know that by study. But the point is, when women are hurt like this. I'm telling you, and that $7 million statue is up there. God help us all. Okay,
2: thank you. So is there any truth to that figure, Hannah?
4: Um, I don't, I've not seen any figure, but I also really couldn't tell exactly what she was referring to, if it was a specific case or, I'm not sure.
2: (laughs) Okay, yeah. So I'll I'll say this. I mean, I think that uh, when it comes to this issue, one thing I noticed, an argument that you did not make, is you you made a uh, a fiscal argument, you made a practical argument, but you didn't make religious arguments, which uh, I've noticed that because I don't personally, based on what I know, I don't think there are any um, religious arguments against the death penalty. But the, the,
4: oh, there's plenty.
2: Well, I think, uh,
4: yeah, go, go ahead. <laughs> I, just, I tend to not go into that well, because well, well, I um,
2: tell I, us what they I, are.
4: Th- that's a very personal standpoint to hold, but. As a Christian, I think if I believe that God can redeem anybody at any point in time, which I do believe, and that I think he can still use someone who's committed harm for good, even if that is behind bars, then I don't really think I have the right to cut short the amount of time that he can work in their lives. And I think that that's something we are seeing a lot of uh, Christian denominations and certainly the Catholic Church come to that conclusion, that your life still has value and God can still use that human life. Um, Not that people shouldn't be held accountable for their crimes, they should, but I don't think the death penalty is appropriate. But I I tend not to lead with religious arguments because those are personal arguments and uh, I don't always try to force my religious opinions on others.
2: Sure. And and I expected you to make the arguments you were making, but um, I know that, um, and I'm not a Christian, but I I do know that there are people who have made pro-death penalty arguments uh, and they've Pointed out Bible scripture to support that, but I appreciate your uh, your clarifying that. So, thanks, Hannah. This has been interesting. You lit up our phone lines, so which means we have to, <laughs> <laughs> we have to have you back.
4: <laughs> Anytime. Thanks for
2: having me. I'll, I'll see you at CPAC next year. Okay. Okay. See you.
4: Soon. All
2: right, Bye. Hannah Cox of Conservatives Conservative against the death penalty. Wow, that was interesting. Uh, we'll be back on the other side. If you want to call in, please get us 901-0945 or 888 I'm Khalid Namar And you're listening to The Bob France Authority We're back in the final segment On the Bob France Authority I'm Khalid Namar This has been a Far Reaching uh, discussion today on this show Most people need to hear another side of an argument And that's my whole position about any topic You need to hear another side than the one that you're used to hearing Whether you agree with that side or not And I'm sure people who listen to this show know that But I've always wanted to have uh, You know, guests on from Conservatives concerning the death penalty Because most people don't believe that that side exists That's a side that it's attributed primarily to the left, but there are some people on our side who have problems with it. And I, I want to apologize to my uh, friends who are watching me on Facebook live. As the producer of my show knows, I have issues with keeping my phone charged and it died. <laughs> so he's going to, he's going to rip me a new one later. He's going to talk about me for that. But um, I'm, yeah, my phone died. So, that's why the feed went out. But thank you all for for watching uh, on Facebook Live today. So, but anyway, with, with regard to the death penalty, I just have issues. I can't get my head around someone who steals lives of other people. You know, you walk into a, a mall and you just decide you want to shoot people, and then you get to keep your life. I just, you know, so if you want to get married, you want to sit up and watch TV, uh, you know, weave baskets, whatever it is you do, you get to you get to keep your life, but you've taken others. I just have a problem with that Um in, in some of the most extreme cases. I just think that's a problem for me. But Hannah is fantastic on this issue because, hey, she studied the data. She speaks on it daily. She sounds like she has these arguments all down in her sleep. And those are her positions. I respect them. I don't agree with all of them, but I, I do respect her from coming on. And, um you know, I hope, hope to see her again and talk to her again. I love to schedule a debate with her and someone else on the other side of this, who's on the right, that would be fantastic. So I think I'll, I'll probably do that. But um, I think when it comes to issues we have in a society that are really contentious, we have to keep talking about them. We have to actually, in a rational, reasoned manner, talk about these issues. Earlier we talked with my friend Jeff Sindelar Jr. about the national popular vote issue, which is going to hopefully... Hopefully, hope it's going to die, but at least there are some thought out arguments on the other side for it. We're against it because it's clearly unconstitutional in my, in my eyes, but I love the debates. I love the arguments and with the nonprofit that I am involved with American Trinity project, um, which I've talked about on the show before we engage in debate and discussion based on the, the, the facts of the constitution and, and the law. And that's what people need to do because we're gonna solve we're not we, we may not solve all the issues, but I do want to hear all sides and we're gonna be doing some forums very soon to where we can explore ideas people need to actually learn how to debate debate and defend their positions and I think Hannah is a classic example someone who does that very very well and uh so you know look look forward to having her back so and and, and a little bit of you know not surprisingly. Breaking news. is uh, Bill Maher, who I just saw across the wire, uh, not that he's significant, but he just admitted that uh, Hillary Clinton committed obstruction of justice. Wow. I mean, some people are very slow. I mean, who who, who didn't know that? It, it's stunning. I guess the only thing that makes it surprising is that he's from his side of the aisle who admits that. But it's like, who who, who didn't know that? I mean, who, who didn't know that destroying uh, uh, <laughs> emails and shredding documents It's obstruction of justice. What a shocker. Um, So yesterday we had a a testifying John Dean, a notorious Watergate figure who himself went to jail for obstruction of justice, decided to go to Congress. He was asked to go to Congress and educate us on what obstruction of justice is. The the characters who are hauled in front of Congress to testify is stunning to me. You, You bring a convicted liar like Michael Cohen in, to testify to a body that he already lied to. Only Congress could come up with something so ingenious. It's really silly. You know, Um, I don't know why they brought the guy in. I think probably because Mueller didn't want to testify. So they said, we'll bring in his understudy or his, uh, you know, stand in to testify because Mueller didn't want to do it. But, but this is all just such a, a waste of time. I don't even watch these congressional hearings anymore or testimonies. What I do is basically look at this. I look at the, uh, I just listen to the sound bites. I don't want to waste my time doing that, but but these people are so, I guess, uh, you know, full of themselves. They think that they're there to conduct investigations and, and get paid for, for the silliness and requesting documents. In the meantime, uh, as we heard about earlier, there's some things in, that are going on in our states that require attention, and we're focused on a lot of foolishness. So um, this is this is what we have to work out. So it's those of us who have the power, this microphone, to kind of keep the issues out there that people need to be talking about. Because if you're following the, what's on the news, you're going to be led down a rabbit hole because it's just a bunch of nonsense on television most of the time uh, when it comes to the news, um, and, and actually people are surprised they think i'm just a news junkie i actually read pretty much everything i don't watch tv news too much but and, and there's a reason for it it's just silly uh, waste of time but anyway I uh, had fun today and hopefully uh you enjoy the program i hope to be back because i really enjoy working in the studio doing live radio i'm telling you it's it's uh it's a lot to focus on a lot to pay attention to and i respect people that have been doing this for so long they make it look easy people like bob france makes it look so easy uh, and thanks to him again for letting me come in. I hope to talk to you again soon. And uh, you can check my show out if you care to on Sunday nights. the Todd Allen show right here on this station. A.M. 1420. The answer where we have a little bit of different take on some things. We also make you laugh as well. So check us out again. I am Khalid Namar. Thanks for joining me today. And uh, I appreciate it. God bless.